Well, hello. Welcome to Ward Church. My name is John, and I have the privilege of serving here at Ward, and I am excited today to share in this series called How to Make a Bad Decision, where we are, are looking at bad decisions throughout the Bible uh, in hopes that when we understand the anatomy of a bad decision, we can learn how not to do that, or even better, flip it around and learn how to make some good decisions. Uh, you know, the first week we looked at Esau. We, we looked at Esau and saw that he thought short term. Um, then week two, we looked at Rehoboam and uh, how he refused wise counsel. And then last week, we looked at King David and saw that leading up to his bad decision, he, uh, he made himself Vulnerable. Today we turn to the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 16, where we find uh, our reading today, uh, there's one of my life verses. One of my life verses. We actually stopped just before it. Uh, so I, I would love to read that for us all this morning. Uh, Judges 16, verse 22 says, But the hair of his head began to grow again. That affects some of us more than others, but uh, it's okay. Maybe, maybe it's not really uh, a life verse to me, but we'll get to that later. Uh, today, we, we are going to be talking about possibly one of the most intriguing, most impressive people in the Bible, Samson. Someone that a lot of us have heard of, if not all of us. Um, and when I read the story of Samson, I actually see a lot of myself in him, and, and I am aware that I do not possess two of the main attributes for which Samson is known, his strength and his hair, but I, I do see other aspects in Samson that I know are very alive within me, and I have the sneaking suspicion that they are inside of you as well. And uh, I, I believe that as we work through the, the life of Samson this morning, we will see that it's these two aspects that we're gonna talk about that really lead to the demise of Samson. And if we, if we are not in a place where we can recognize and learn to appropriately respond to these aspects in our lives, then we will find ourselves in a similar situation as Samson. Maybe not specific, but find ourselves being devastated. You know, when we, when we read Judges chapter 16 in this story uh, with Samson, there are a, a couple glaringly obvious initial observations that I honestly believe are wise counsel to, to anyone. I mean, first Delilah says to him, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. That word subdued, it, it means to be bound or to be ridiculed or to be put down. It is this, it's not a good thing that she's asking him for. And, and he, he tells her, he tells her. So the first thing that we see, like the first rule to live by, we see is, uh, is that if somebody asks you how you can be kept down and then does what you tell them, them, don't trust that person. Run away. Like just run. If you tell somebody, this is how you can keep me bound. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Don't trust them. Okay. And then he, he tells her she does it. And then again, she asked him, 
He tells her and she doesn't. And then again, she asks him and he tells her and she doesn't. So the second thing that we can see, if somebody does that three times, definitely don't trust them. But Samson continues to stay and continues to trust Delilah, telling her, eventually it says that he tells her everything. It tells her everything and he finds himself captured and bound and ridiculed. And it's easy for us to jump into Samson's story here in Judges 16 and judge him for falling the way that he did. But we have to realize, we have to realize that this isn't the whole story. There's more to Samson's story than just what we see here with Delilah. Samson's story isn't simply that he was deceived by some seductress as we have turned it into and allowed it to become. That is not the cause of his demise. There are actually layers to this that I believe will help us fully understand his demise and how not to follow in his footsteps. So bear with me for a moment as I give some context and background to Samson's story before we pick up here and judge him completely based on this one story. See, in Judges chapter 13, we see that Samson's parents are barren. They have no kids. And and an angel comes to them and declares to them that they will have a son, not just any son, but a special son. One who would, as it says, take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. They were, they were promised a son and then given instructions on how to raise him, specifically that he was to be a Nazarite from birth. And so what is a Nazarite? What is a Nazarite? See, so the, the vow of the Nazarite is found in Numbers chapter six. And so what it actually was, was a vow of dedication to the Lord, a vow of dedication to the Lord, where it says that, that this person in this time that they are dedicated to the Lord, they are holy to the Lord. And so it would typically last about a month. It's a specific amount of time a specific amount of time, a few people went a little longer, but Samson here was, was told that he was to be a Nazarite from birth. He was supposed to be a Nazarite as a lifetime dedication. His entire life, he was to be separated and holy to the Lord. There's only a couple people who have done this in, that's recorded in the Bible. One is Samson. The other one is John the Baptist. So pretty good company for, for Samson here. But the Nazarite vow, it consists of three things. It consists of three things. Don't eat or drink anything from the grapevine. So no grapes, no wine, no grape juice. Uh, secondly, no razor shall touch your, your head until the vow is completed. So he couldn't sport my look. And number three, you shall not go near a dead body. You have to stay away from, from dead things. And so it's, it's important that we remember this vow because it's going to come back in a little bit as we walk through Samson's story. But, but we need to remember that this was a period of separation unto the Lord, right? That's what this whole thing was. It wasn't just about rules, but a period of separation and dedication to the Lord. And then Samson, 
after this, I mean, he grows up. It says the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And as he grows up, he, he puts, puts together a pretty good resume. I mean, he kills a lion with his bare hands. He killed 30 Philistines by himself. Um, also, I think with bare hands. Um, he caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together with a flame between them and then sent them loose into, to burn Philistine fields, which is, I think, possibly the coolest battle tac- uh, tactic I've ever heard heard of. It's pretty awesome. And then another time he killed a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. It's crazy. He tore the Gaza city gates off and carried them for 40 miles. I mean, he put together an impressive resume. Samson was an impressive person. And then, then we see this man of power brought down by the pressure from this woman named Delilah. And so we wonder what happened. How did Samson, how did Samson go from this strong, seemingly indestructible person to a defeated man who had lost everything? And it was because he gave in to pressure. And I don't mean that he gave into pressure from Delilah, which he did. I mean, we can see clearly that it says that she, she pressured him and he was vexed to death. He was sick of being pressured about this thing. And so he did give into that. But, but I believe that there was a deeper pressure. There was a bigger pressure that was far too strong for Samson to withstand. And I believe that if you and I are honest, we will find that this pressure is within us as well. It's the pressure from self. The pressure of self. And, and let me explain what I mean. See, when we hear the pressure of self, what we probably hear is, is that I'm saying he put a lot of pressure on himself to, to succeed or to perform or to do these great things. And that's not what I mean. I, I don't simply mean that, that he had high expectations for himself and he caused a lot of stress for him and he couldn't live up to that. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that there is a different type of self pressure that was weighty and caused him to to become defeated. And it's the pressure of self. See, there are two main issues in this pressure of self that I believe caused the the downfall of Samson, self-indulgence and self-reliance. Self-indulgence and self-reliance. See, Samson was consumed and concerned with self. And see, what uh, self-indulgence says, Self-indulgence says that it's about what I want, what I want. And we see this in Samson, not just simply in this story with Delilah, but, but early in his life. See, the very first words we have recorded from, from Samson are, are commanding his parents to go to Timnah and get for him a wife of the Philistines. And they, they com- he commands his parents to go down there and find this woman for him. And this would have been disrespectful to his parents and to his culture. But Samson did not care because as he said, She is right in my eyes. He didn't care about the disrespect because he was concerned with what he wanted. Self-indulgence. It is about what I want. It is about what I want. 
And see, we see this over and over in the life of Samson and not just with, with Delilah or with this woman from, uh, from Timnah, but, but we see that he, he had the tendency to ignore, to ignore what he should or shouldn't do when his desires surfaced. See, when his parents did take him to go get this woman from Timnah, when they were on their way, he slipped off apparently away from his parents and went into this vineyard by himself. And while he was in this vineyard by himself, a lion comes to him and he tears the lion apart. He kills the lion with his bare hands. And then later, another trip down to Timnah again to, to see this woman that he was going to marry. He stops by this vineyard one more time. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know if we recognize that, but remember the, the vow of the Nazarite, right? He could not touch or eat anything from the, the vine. So why is he in a vineyard now twice? Why put yourself in that place why allow yourself to tiptoe to the edge of what you can or cannot do? But Samson has done that twice. Now, the second time he's there, the second time he's there, we see that he, uh, he looks and, and he sees this lion that he had killed, the carcass of the lion. And he looks within and he sees that bees had begun to make honey inside of it. And so obviously he reaches down and he puts his hand inside of the lion and begins to eat that honey. Remember again, he's not supposed to be near any dead thing, but he is putting his hands inside of a dead thing to eat honey that's growing inside of a dead thing. That's gross. But either way, either way, we see this regression, right? Of Samson tiptoeing the line of what he should or should not do based on his desires. And he goes into this, this, uh, this vineyard. And then we see not only is he willing to endanger this vow by being right up next to it, but he is willing to break this vow by touching a dead thing, all because of his desires, so not only was Samson self-indulgent and concerned with what he wanted, he was self-reliant. And self-reliance says, it's about what I can do. It's about what I can do. Samson was very concerned with, with what he can or cannot do, right? I mean, I think there's a verse right here in this passage of, of Judges chapter 16 that really just, just sums up the idea of what Samson felt about himself and who he was. He's already lost the power of God. He's already lost his strength. And he comes to, and this is what he says about himself. I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. Shake my, I will go out and shake myself free. And see, we said a minute ago that, that Samson had put together an impressive resume. He had, he had accomplished some great things. He had no need to rely on anybody else. So yes, rely on self. He was a powerful man, right? I mean, I cannot get past the fact that he killed a lion with his bare hands. That's crazy to me. Like I'm not, if I see a lion running at me, I'm not just gonna get myself, okay, let's do this. No, I'm running and crying the whole way. But Samson killed this lion with his bare hands. And then he, he kills a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. Who even chooses that as a weapon? Samson was an impressive, an impressive man. At the beginning of chapter 16, where it says that he, he was in Gaza with this prostitute and at midnight, he, he tore the city gates off and took them away. We, we kind of blow past that one like, oh, that's really not that. That's a big deal. 
See, the, the city gates were the, the, the point at which the city would say, this is how strong we are. You would want the gates to be the strongest part of the wall. And Samson went and ripped these gates up. They would have been 60 feet tall and weighed about two tons. And he picks them up and puts them on his shoulders and carries them what we know is 40 miles uphill. That's crazy. What Samson did when he did this was he looked at the Philistines and said, I am stronger by myself than your entire city. And he could back it up. So it makes sense that we would look at Samson and see that, yes, he was self-reliant because he was impressive. He was an impressive, an impressive person. But being self-reliant, being self-reliant seems, seems to be admirable. And it makes you appear as though you are some larger than life, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of, of person. But the reality is when you are self-reliant to the point where Samson was, you become lonely. And when you're lonely, you become desperate for some type of connection because we're created for connection. We're created for relationships. So even without us knowing it, we become desperate for connection. And when we're desperate for connection, we let down our guard about who we will allow into our lives. And as we know, who we allow into our lives affects the direction of our life. There is no greater cautionary tale of the dangers of who you should and should not allow in your life than Samson. So we come back to the passage that we read earlier and it seems easy for us to judge Samson based on this relationship with Delilah. It seems easy for us to say that this relationship with Delilah was his demise, but his demise happened so long before this moment. By the time Samson had even met Delilah, he was so self-indulgent and so self-reliant that he was blind to the red flags that we all caught immediately. That's what happens when you are self-indulgent and self-reliant. You are blind to the obstacles, blind to the red flags that are obvious. And so you notice as, as Samson in, in chapter 16, as he tells her what, uh, what to do to have him bound, to have him pushed down, to have him held captive, as he tells her, he actually gets a little closer. He starts off with these bowstrings, these fresh bowstrings. And then, then he's like, no, it's rope. And then he's like, actually, if you take my hair and you put it in this loom, and then as he, he gets closer, we see that his, his strength actually gets weaker each time. The first time with the bowstrings, it says that they fall off like they touched fire. That's easy. And then the second time it says he breaks them like a string. He breaks the ropes like a string. And then the third time he just, he simply picks up the loom. And he's still coming out on top, but his weak, I mean, his strength is getting weaker and weaker. He's losing his strength. And I know this is gonna be a shocker to all of us, but, but Samson's strength was actually not in his hair at all. It was in his connection to God. It was in his connection to God and, and his connection with God was fading as he was becoming more and more self-indulgent and self-reliant to the point that he so arrogantly, 
so arrogantly thought that he could not only endanger the vow of the Nazarite by going near the, the grapevines in the vineyard, not only could he endanger it, not only could he break it as he did by touching the dead animal, but now he believed that he could end the vow. To the ending of the Nazarite vow, they would shave their head. They couldn't cut it until the end. They would shave their head and they would burn it as a sacrifice to God. And he believed that he could completely end this vow and everything go on as it was before. He had lost sight that his strength was in his relationship with God because it was all about Samson. See, the biggest problem with self-indulgence and self-reliance is really that they oppose the gospel. They oppose the gospel. Self-indulgence says, says that it's about what I want, but the gospel says it's about what God wants. Self, self-reliance says it's about what I can do, but the gospel says it's about what God has done. See, the gospel that we are supposed to live by says that it's not about you at all. It's about God. Our focus should not be upon ourselves, whether it's to indulge self or to rely on self, but to focus on God. That is the thing. Focus on God. Jesus called his disciples and his followers to, uh, not, to a life not about, about self-indulgence, but self-denial. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus called people not to self-reliance, but to surrender. He says in John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What Jesus says is, Surrender to me and we'll do it together. Or better yet, surrender to me and I'll do it. This is what the gospel is, is that it's not about me. I don't have to indulge myself. Rather, I have to deny myself. I don't have to rely on myself. Rather, I have to rely on him and surrender to him. See, we, we struggle the fact that we struggle with this is that it is uh, our self-indulgence and our self-reliance are actually really subtle. It is not this glaringly obvious thing that we see with Samson. It is more subtle than that. I've been reading through Second uh, Kings this past week and I came, to, uh, I came to chapter 17 and there's one line in chapter 17 that just jumped off the pages at me. Uh, it says in, in chapter 17, so they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods. They feared the Lord, but also served their own gods. And this line was so intriguing to me, so interesting to me. How did they think this was gonna go? You can't serve your own gods and our God as well. But then it just like hit me with all of the weight of everything. That's me. See, I don't have little statues that they had that they were talking about. I don't have an altar that I go bow to and pray to some other God. But often, more often than I'm proud of, I serve John Hayden. I do what I want and I rely on my strength. 
And I realized that the more I serve John Hayden, the more I am self-indulgent and self-reliant, my relationship, my connection with God is being hindered because I am focused more on me than on him. I wonder how many of you would say, oof, that's me too. Oh yeah, I, I serve myself. I am more concerned about my desires than I am what God wants. I am more concerned about doing the things that I know I can do and I avoid those things that I don't know that I can do. I, I avoid those things that are outside of my comfort zone because it's not, it's, it's not what I'm used to, what I like or what I can do. And so we stay in our little bubble and we avoid the gospel that we are called to live out because it's about us. And so I ask, how many of you are like me and you are Samson? You maybe you just haven't quite fallen yet to the place that he did. And then another question, how many of you are Samson and you have fallen to that place of devastation? I read verse 22 earlier as a failed attempt at being funny. But I wholeheartedly believe that that verse is one of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. And the hair on his head began to grow again, not just because of this, but because of the grace of God. That's what that is. The grace of God that even in the biggest failure of his life, but almost of all time, Samson finds himself where the grace of God is rushing back to him. I found myself as we sing this song, your goodness is running after me. I find myself feeling what Samson probably felt there in his prison cell or as he was pushing the millstone around the goodness of God running back to him because there is grace. Even when we fail, even when we make the biggest mistakes of our life, there is grace, there is hope. We can come back to him because he is running after us. And that's one amazing aspect of grace, but there is another aspect of grace. There is another aspect of grace that we forget about often it is the aspect of grace that keeps us, that keeps us from falling, that keeps us from going there. It's, a, it's the aspect of grace that calls each of us to a life that is not about me, but about him. A life that is not about self-indulgence and self-surrender or self-reliance, self but about self-denial and surrender. Not just for the sake of, of being able to say that you did it, but simply because it is the way of Jesus. That is the life that we are invited into is the way of Jesus, which is about self-denial and surrender because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about him. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I pray that you would speak to each one of us today. It's your name we pray.
Amen. Amen.